Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. Sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I'm Anthony DeBundo, joined as always by BJ Cunningham. Michael Leboff is out tonight. He's becoming a part-time member of this podcast. Not actually. We, <laughs> love, we still love him. Everton won again, though, and he's partying. It's the Anthony, uh, it's the darts. The darts are going on. I mean, right. can we really blame yeah. him? Somebody actually mentioned in our Discord um, when they could get some darts content, and I would have to send out the bat signal, but Michael's too busy partying on the streets of, of Merseyside uh, in Liverpool after Everton's, you know, another win, and uh, he's getting ready for their big League Cup tie. We're going to talk League Cup quarterfinals, three of the four matches that we have takes slash uh, projections for, and then we're going to get into some of the midweek, Bundesliga, La Liga, Ligue 1, you know, leagues we don't necessarily go as deep into this this on this podcast because we spend so much time capping the Premier League that we want to get a little bit of love for them while they have their shine uh, during the midweek. But before we do get into the League Cup, remember that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, and Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. It believes that every sport should be epic, every tournament, every game, every point, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today with promo code action and you get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at bet365. Must be 21 or older and must be present in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions may apply. Okay, let's start with the Toffees. Everton did it again. Another great win. They were up inside 10 minutes against Burnley over the weekend. You know, we said, like, is there a time coming to buy high? I still think that the market is still catching on to how good this team is. If you just looked at the underlying numbers, it wasn't like a astounding performance against Burnley, but it was very workmanlike. And now on points, Everton's amassed the eighth most points in the league this season. They have an expected goal differential that would put them in the top half. And the market is kind of starting to price them like a top half team a little bit. Not necessarily in this match, though. They're home against Fulham, plus 120 on the three-way money line. BJ, we'll start with you. You know, we successfully faded Fulham over the weekend. Did we get a little bit lucky? I would say so. You know, Raul Jimenez decided to, whatever the hell that was, jump into uh, the player and get the red card in the, in the first half. And then it was pretty much one-way traffic in the 23rd minute. So... Uh, a resounding win for our Magpie. Still think that price was very wrong. Yep. 
do we not also think this price is wrong? I mean, how much worse is Everton than the makeshift Newcastle? And we're getting Everton at plus money to go against Fulham? Right. Well, what's funny, Anthony, is that we saw this match on opening day of the Premier League season. And if you remember, Everton created like three expected goals. They couldn't find the back of the net. And Fulham had one transition opportunity. They scored and won the match one nothing. Everton closed at plus 130 in that match. So out of perception, like how much better is Everton than what we thought coming into the season? I would say wildly better. And mainly it's because of their defense has improved drastically from last season. If you remember, Daesh had to be incredibly aggressive because he was in the relegation battle. So they were pressing teams high. They were playing more open. They were playing more transitional. And they actually ended up allowing 1.7 non-penalty XG per 90 last season under Daesh. This season, they haven't had to be as aggressive. They've sat back deeper in, in this traditional low block, and then they've come out, and they've pressed teams when they feel they can win the ball off of them. They're only allowing 1.11 non-penalty XG per 90, and have conceded the second fewest big scoring chances. So they have drastically improved defensively, whereas Fulham, I know we talked about how crazy this offensive run has been, where they've you know beaten both West Ham and Nottingham Forest both 5-0, but they're due to regress. I don't really care that Jimenez got a red card. And I think regression is still supposed to come because in the four matches prior to the Newcastle match, they scored 16 goals at 8.9 expected. And now defensively this season, they're allowing 1.63 non-penalty XG per 90 minutes, which is basically what they allowed last season. So the defense really hasn't gotten better from last season. So now we're in a situation where I think that Everton should be priced way higher from the plus 130 that we saw at the beginning of the season because they have been wildly better than the expectations than we thought at the beginning of the season. And there's a massive home road split one in this one in this match because Everton at Goodison Park has about a seven expected goal differential, whereas Fulham away from Craven Cottage has a minus 12 expected goal differential. So I have Everton projected a minus 128. Uh, so anything uh, Everton minus 107 or better uh, is good enough for me. I highly doubt they're going to rotate on the either team will honestly rotate because a trophy means a lot to either of these teams. So uh, we're going to ride the Toffees once again, and we're just going to keep betting them until the market prices them appropriately for how good they are. Yeah, I'm not going to say that it makes a huge difference, but Raul is suspended now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he will miss this match and uh, the upcoming couple of Prem matches as well. This does count toward the three games you get for the red card. So Raul out. Uh, Tim Ream is still out. I thought... Uh, you know, the downgrade from him to Tosin was uh, noticeable, I thought. I didn't think uh, he was particularly good in the game against Newcastle prior to the red card either. I thought they they exploited him a little bit. And then, you know, the question is, who is the backup? I mean, Raul hasn't been good. Like, we've talked about Jimenez this year. But the backup options are Vinicius and Rodrigo Muniz. Muniz is the young guy that they they turned to briefly when Raul was in bad form and said, you know, can you save us and f- do anything of note? Uh, the returns are way too small to draw any meaningful conclusions, but he was at 0.31 XG per 90 and 1090s in the championship last year at Middlesbrough. So like, I'm not really going to hang my hat on, on that guy to make a formidable attack. Um, Fulham's a very aggressive team, right? They, they, they want to win tackles, interceptions, like between Paulina Pereira, Iwobi and Robinson, they're extremely aggressive and they, it's basically like we're either going to win the ball in the midfield or we're going to clear it off the line. But like Everton just kind of bypasses that. They just go over the top. They play so direct that I think it can cause problems for Fulham. So I'm in agreement from the number, from the matchup perspective, uh, that it's going to be the Toffees. I don't expect rotation really from either team. I know how insane like this last month has been with, with regards to matches, but like this is a cup quarterfinal. Both of these teams are now pretty safe from like relegation trouble. They're neither are like particularly injured to the point where they need to rotate the, the only healthy guys they have left, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So yeah, Everton for me, back the Toffees again. I'm just going to keep backing the Toffees, and then they have Spurs this weekend in the league. So uh, yeah, we will I mean, see. And this cup, this cup draw is wide open too because there's no City, there's no Arsenal, there's no Aston Villa, there's no Tottenham. It's really just Liverpool, Newcastle, and Chelsea. Which right, you know, you're, you're expecting two heavyweights in the semis, but right. You're also going to get even Middlesbrough or Port Vale in the semis. That's true. <laughs> so, so this, yeah, you could. There is a path that you could, like, if you get get a good draw, you're going playing a final, potentially have a chance to win a trophy. So yeah, this means a lot to these teams. 
Yep. So I expect full motivation. Cup matches are always weird. You know, there's one we're going to talk about as well where I'm just like, I don't really know how to bet this. But Everton for both of us. All right, moving on. Chelsea, Newcastle. They met at St. James's Park a few weeks ago. Newcastle closed to pick them at home. Yeah. This was at kind of at the start of like, they had all these injuries. The market clearly downgraded them. They had a couple bad performances. They came home. They played Chelsea. They looked like vintage Newcastle. Beat them 4-1. Then they had some more bad performances. Then they beat United. Then they had some more bad performances. Uh, And now Newcastle comes in here. I don't know what we're going to get from them. Alexander Isak did not make the bench on Saturday. They are now out of Europe. That could change the calculus a little bit for them. But this this screams to me for Newcastle as like a team who is in a really bad spot because they have played so many minutes and their system is so reliant on having energy and pressing and winning the ball high. And, and they haven't, not only have they not been able to replicate it away from home, but like if they have to go to the bench, does the form drop considerably? Like, I don't think they're going to run Callum Wilson out there um, for a full 90 in this match, knowing that he just played uh, midweek in the champions league. Then he played the weekend and now, you know, they have a weekend match, then Boxing Day, then New Year's. Like, this comes at a weird point in the calendar where Newcastle has played way more matches this month than Chelsea. And I think that has an accumulative effect. With that being said, the number is clearly shaded more toward Chelsea here than yeah. I would make it on a neutral or, or at Chelsea, rather. Uh, I have Chelsea projected at like plus 115. So, like, am I going to lay minus 130? No, I'm definitely not. So, that, that's where I'm kind of at on this game. I, I go back and forth a lot on what to expect. Part of me wants to play the over because I think if Wilson or Isak plays, this game has the potential to be very back and forth uh, from, you know, Newcastle's defense falling off a cliff away from home and uh, Kieran Trippier will be back, which I thought was uh, an, a big absence in the Fulham match. You could see even like early on before they broke through finally, like not having their best creative player on the ball in the final third really did matter. Um, but yeah, this this number is tricky for me because it's pricing in that Newcastle is going to sit players and rotate yeah. and like not care as much, which I agree with. But like it's kind of priced in. Yeah, I I do like Newcastle here. Um, like you said, it is priced in. It is Newcastle on the road, and this comes at a really bad spot. But it's a typical for me bad spot, but also a great number on Newcastle. And I think we have to talk about. I mean, obviously, you know, circumstances were a little different in Newcastle's four one win against Chelsea. It was coming off an international break. They were just getting guys healthy, and they had the energy to actually press them, and they destroyed them. Uh, but I think the bigger question is, is, is Chelsea actually a good build-up team? Because we've now seen it time and time again where they've had to face at least decent pressing teams, and they haven't really been able to do much. They've had good performances against you know Luton and Sheffield United, teams who will sit deep, but... When they went and played Newcastle, Newcastle was forced nine high turnovers and had a passive per defensive action of 7.1. Both Arsenal and Manchester United forced 12 high turnovers against them. City even forced 12 high turnovers or seven high turnovers. And Brighton, although they didn't force a lot of high turnovers, they had a passive per defensive action of 5.6. So uh, that is concerning whether Newcastle decides to all out press, which I'm not sure they have the energy to do. They'll probably sit in a 4 5 1 mid block uh, and press from that. Um, they do have a couple injuries that are concerning. Joe Linton being out, Shar being out, but Dan Byrne returning is obviously huge for them. He can slot into that center back role and make play Livermento out at left back. But the other thing that's concerning for Chelsea is, and this is kind of what happened when last time against Newcastle, is that they are, not only do they, like I just mentioned, could for, uh, commit a lot of high turnovers, but they're also pretty bad in transition defense. They're 19th and final third box entry conversion rate allowed. And like I said, it's partly because they, uh, commit so many high turnovers, but again, they're just really not that good in transition. Like Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez really haven't been well, what the price tag says they should be at this point in the season. Will they eventually become a great midfield pairing? Of course they will. Like that's not you know it's obviously very early on. In their I'm not. I'm not young. certain of that personally. Really interesting. No. Um, we'll see. Um, doesn't matter for this again, match. But yeah. It doesn't matter for this match, but yeah, we'll see if that actually that pairing actually works out. But anyway. Yeah, again, Newcastle, some injuries to deal with here. But again, they've been getting healthy and getting some of their depth pieces back. So again, bad spot. It's road Newcastle. They basically, all their points this season have basically come at home. All their big wins have come at home. They basically have done nothing away from home. But again, 
we're getting a plus a half at, at plus money. And that's what's kind of crazy to me is that the market clearly is still in love with Chelsea and they're clearly still downgrading Newcastle because of all these injuries, because of the fixture pileup and because they're on the road. So I'm going to take the price. Um, I feel like I would regret it if I didn't do it. So Newcastle plus a half, plus 105, for accounting for injuries, the fixture pileup and all this different stuff. If this was just full strength versus full strength, I would have Newcastle at a straight pick them here against Chelsea. So how drastically do you change that to what the price is now? I think it's gone way too far. So I like Newcastle plus a half. Yeah. I think there's a case to be made that you like hunt alts if you like Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, if you don't want to lay the 130, maybe hunt an alt. Uh, we talked about that with Newcastle Fulham. Like, I think that Chelsea, if they're at it and when they're at their best, are clearly a top four team. The market just prices them like they always bring their A game. And it's clearly not been the case. I mean, they were yeah. dire against Sheffield on, on Saturday for the large stretches of that match. They ultimately won 2 0. Oh, point, point uh, 0.1 XG in the first half against yeah. Sheffield. Problem was, Sheffield also had point 0.1 XG. That's true, but you have yeah. to expect that. But again, again, it gets to the point. They took four <laughs> shots in the first half, all from 25-plus yards. I just don't really yeah. uh, think that it's easy to get a gauge on this matchup. I think it's the trickiest matchup. Uh, we don't have much on Middlesbrough and Port Vale. Look forward to seeing who advances from there. We're rooting for Port Vale. Always like to root for the underdog. Yeah, they're they're but, like a, a they're a below average uh, League One team. So yeah, it's it's, it's, not, it's, it's, great. it's not great. Yeah, it's not great. They and they've should played lose. like really easy competition to get to this point too. So they kind of lucked their way into the quarters. And they they got the best draw they could possibly get. All right, Liverpool West Ham. Like, what team does Liverpool play here? I don't know because they have Arsenal at the weekend. Yeah, I think Klopp punts. And the Liverpool, the Liverpool reserve team has not been particularly good. I don't no. know that he punts punts, but I think he like half punts. I can see that. Yeah. And, and I think it's huge, obviously. So yeah. And um, they just had Man United on Sunday, right? So they have a, a, a quick turnaround for Wednesday and they don't really have the depth in the midfield and defense to like rotate players and also still be highly competitive. Uh, West Ham is also in Europe, right? So like, what do this is for me? It's like, what do both teams think about this from a pure numbers perspective? I actually think West Ham's a little undervalued, but I am not too excited to bet either side of this game. Yeah. This is like one of the easiest passes on the board. Again, like I, like you mentioned, like I, if anything, I would probably be backing West Ham here, but I don't really want to do that. Quite frankly, uh, this match also does kind of scream, over uh to me yeah and it's um, three and a half but it's three and a half like you know yeah. what am i gonna do like that's what i projected it at so i yeah this is like the yeah maybe just wait and see what the lineups are if you can if you feel like you you know if liverpool plays a straight b team and west ham plays a full strength like you can catch that uh the number on west ham you know right now obviously liverpool is minus 245 so you could catch a West Ham plus one and a half, like right as lineups come out. Like maybe if Liverpool well, goes full rotation. I think you can read the tea but... leaves. Klopp's pretty honest, generally, about where he views a match or a team or what he's going to do. You know, we'll get Monday pressers from Klopp. They'll ask about what the situation looks like here uh, for the Wednesday match. And he'll probably give you an insight as to like who might or may not play. They did ro- rotate Thursday. That's notable. West Ham didn't. Um, so, you know, they, they did just rotate. But again, like with Liverpool playing Arsenal this weekend, in what to this point is the biggest match of their season, I just don't really see Klopp going all in here. So speculatively, like West Ham plus 350 is interesting. I thought, I thought they looked really good in attack today. Like Kudis uh, was impressive. I still think they're a very mediocre team. But again, with the favorite being super questionable and this line create only going one way, really, only going one way, uh, it would be West Ham or nothing for me. Plus three fifty. Yeah, if they if they, thing, if they but, play if they played the same line if they played against Union Saint Joa on Thursday, um, yeah, that'll be it'll be a West Ham bet. All right, we do have one Premier League match actually. Don't know when this is made up from. I don't remember this match. 
was they just the, the, scheduling it ahead of time for some reason. They not. must be. Um, but it is the M23 uh, Derby, Crystal Palace and Brighton. Quick trip down from, uh, or tr- quick trip up from the English South Coast for Brighton to South London to take on Crystal Palace. You've got nothing here. I'm uh, I'm disappointed because I love the I love the under here. This is a, a textbook midweek under for me with, with Brighton under two and a half. I, yeah, um, you know, under two and a half is at plus money right now. Um, I have like about right about right at about two point five goals projected for this 2.42 one. Two point four two for me. Yeah. So obviously, you know, great result for Crystal Palace on, against City. Like with obviously with a a, a makeshift attack. Um, I mean. They played Nathaniel Klein at like left wing, which I was like, when I saw that, I was like, are you going to be kidding me? Um, but again, no, uh, IU should be back for this. IU will, will be back for this one. So at least they'll have which something Which helps their intact, defense. Which helps their defense out of possession stuff. Still no Edward. Uh, so yep. Mateta is still going to be up top. Uh, Joel Ward is going to be out, which actually might be a good thing for Crystal Palace at this point. Um, Lerma is also going to be out for them. And again, uh, and it looks like Dean Henderson might be in goal for this one. So that's obviously an upgrade in, in goal. So uh, it, the situation's getting better for Crystal Palace. And this match will probably play out very similarly to the matches that we've seen when Brighton play teams that like to play low blocks, where it'll be a lot of, a lot of slow progression up the field, where Palace will just be cutting off central progression. Brighton will continue to try to play through there. Um, so we could see an under. Uh, here, I definitely don't hate a look at that. I would love a three, um, but we're not going to get that. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it's kind of a pass for me. You know, Brighton, it's it's one of two things. Like it's obviously very game state dependent with them. Uh, so if like an early goal happens and the match gets kind of chaotic, like you know things get kind of off the rails. But if there isn't that early goal, um, things just kind of become stale. Or if they have a lead, like teams still don't want to press them. So uh, yeah, just a. A pass for me. We'll see. Um, have Brighton at plus one thirty, so I don't. I don't really want to make a play on Palace without much, you know, much of their. Uh, Isaiah will be back for this one, right? He came off the bench um, okay. Saturday, so, so that's I, I don't know so maybe start. Maybe a play the, on the, Palace the, if we can get a decent number. Yeah. So these two attacks for about one hundred and sixty-five minutes this weekend were next level bad. Mm-hmm. Like Brighton didn't get Brighton a kick. Terrible. Brighton didn't get a kick until the hour, it felt like. Uh, until the hour mark. They got one big chance the whole match. That was it. They didn't really do much. And uh, now, granted, Brighton goes away to Arsenal. Palace goes away to City. You don't expect a ton from these attacks in those spots. But uh, I did think it was interesting. Palace without their midfield and forward line's ability to press, dropped so deep. And I think they'll do something very similar, right? So the, the the difference here is that Brighton couldn't play through the Arsenal pressure. They had 11 high turnovers today. Arsenal's press was so good that it basically just shut off the Arsenal, the Brighton attack. That's not going to be a problem for Brighton. But we have seen teams go to Palace and struggle to break down this very low block. We saw Liverpool have problems doing it where they were really sluggish and flat. We saw Spurs for a half do next to nothing and then get an own goal, and then the game kind of opened up. But again, like if you had under tickets in those games that ended both ended 2-1, you felt hard done by by those numbers. And I, th- I still think Palace, um, you know, even without the Corre, for the, who's out for the year now, they're still going to be good enough defensively to slow down this Brighton team. If they were good enough to do it to Spurs and Liverpool, who are – uh, I think marginally better. To, I mean, Liverpool's obviously better, but marginally better from Spurs attacking units. Then I think they're going to be able to slow down Brighton and make this really difficult for them. And then the question is like, does Palace have enough? Because like, as I least say, Mateta, Ayu is like kind of intriguing. I don't know that they'll play them all though. And I do think that um, whether they rotate Elise as a starter or sit him or or play them both. Like I, I think there's a chance only one starts as they maybe gets, you know, a half instead of a full game kind of thing. Uh, we don't know what the commentary looks like for him, but he did only play, you know, 10 minutes. Uh, and for Palace, literally had one big chance and then a penalty. So it was not a good attacking showing against a team that likes to have possession and control games. It's not that different from this. So 
under two and a half for me plus money is good i like minus 105 i would not play uh anything above minus 110 but i do like the under two and a half i think it's a little bit high on this one yeah, crazy well, but brighton unders i mean we've talked about this they've yeah. uh, I, I, I it just joking. seems like whatever the like the the first goal happens, that's when things kind of get off the rails. And obviously, it depends on when that first goal happens. You know, obviously today against Arsenal, it came in the second half, um, and they just couldn't play. Like you said, they couldn't play through Arsenal's pressure. But a much much different type of uh, environment here. What's what's interesting for me for Palace is they're gonna after this match, they're going to travel to play Chelsea on the twenty seventh, uh, and they're getting the goal on the road. Which is going to be fascinating. I might be on Palace in that match. If I would love to see, because we haven't seen it yet, with Eze and Elise playing together. I think that's going to obviously it was electric last year, so towards the second half of the season. But I think this season it's going to be even better. Yeah, generally agree. Uh, they kept hold of both of them this summer. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. That that concludes it for EPL. We're going to be back on Wednesday night to do our full weekend preview. We're going to touch on Boxing Day just because it's going to be tricky this year because Boxing Day falls not only obviously the day after Christmas, but because of the way the weekend slate works with games on the 22nd and 23rd, there's no real way for us to feasibly record uh, a full Boxing Day preview with the holiday coming up, uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas, and Festivus for the rest of us. Um, so we're going to do a full EPL preview this weekend, of course. But let's take some time and jump into uh, some other leagues here because we do have midweek footy in the Bundesliga, La Liga, and Liga. No Serie A. They'll be back this weekend. All three leagues are heading into their kind of winter break here. So this is like the last we're going to see of these squads. And to be honest, I was texting you right before we went on air. Uh, it's a really meek, yeah. kind of unexciting slate. There's not one game in any of the three leagues that I'm like dying to tune into, but that doesn't mean we won't have bets. So let's start in Germany. Oh. Germany, uh, you know, if you haven't been paying attention, if you just like woke up under a rock, um, Bayern is actually not in first. It's Leverkusen. Uh, Bayern has by far the best underlying numbers. They are over plus two. Expected goal difference per 90, which is amazing and something that we're going to have to come to discussion with when we get the Bayern Champions League draw and we look at like what's their path through this because we're going to discuss Champions League and like how good is Bayern is a really interesting question because they are destroying the Bundesliga. They completely swatted aside Stuttgart today, 3-0, uncompetitive. Bayern goes on the road to Wolfsburg. Now, Wolfsburg's been like the ultimate they you know we've talked in the prem a lot this year home field advantage is up a tick it's small samples but like home field teams are winning more than they have in the last few years uh, you know obviously it bottomed out around covid because there was no crowds but home teams are doing well and better this year well if there was a version of that in the bundesliga it would be wolfsburg who this year uh have been awful away from home minus 10 goal difference at home plus four four wins they're a pretty sizable underdog and not enough for me to get involved. Uh, Wolfsburg is just like a pretty mediocre team that I don't really want to go against Bayern with. I have to be more choosy with my spots. Stuttgart's in, in, uh, in fourth. Leverkusen first. Leipzig has climbed all the way up to third. They have been on a, a recent winning run here. What do we think uh, in terms of like the situation right now? Is there obviously a top four? Do you think that anybody like is Dortmund fixable? Where do we stand on the top four race? Because the odds markets seem to think 
that Dortmund's not dead, but like I think they are. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Dortmund so many times about their transition defense and West defense is. And if they don't get a great ball stopping midfielder in January, I don't really see a scenario how their defense is going to get fixed or improved. And even their buildup is is kind of disjointed as well. Um, like they've the reason they've been good in the Champions League is because they've had the ability to play very direct against a lot of these teams, which is kind of where they're at their best. But when teams just kind of hand them the ball and say, hey, Dortmund, try to go break us down, they've really struggled to do that. And obviously, like we mentioned, they've been very open in transition defense. I mean, they're allowing close to 1.8 XG per 90 in the Bundesliga. Like, that's that's uh, very, very concerning. But, um, yeah, I mean, there is – I mean, even if you just look at expected goal differential – Stuttgart, Leipzig, Munich, and Leverkusen are all above plus 13. Uh, Dortmund's the only other team in the Bundesliga with positive expected goal differential. It is incredibly top-heavy right now in Germany. So I think the top four is is pretty set in stone. Again, unless Dortmund goes out and spends a bunch of money and gets like a really, really good midfielder that kind of changes, like a, like a Casemiro of the Manchester United type of change, I don't really see a scenario how they're going to challenge for this one with it. But again, then you have to talk about Stuttgart and they're probably going to lose Giresi in the uh, in January transfer window because he only has about an $18 million release clause and he wants to leave. He didn't resign a contract. So um, you also have that as, as a scenario that could potentially be kind of interesting. But they also have a couple other actually pretty good strikers that I don't think the drop-off is going to be that significant uh, comparatively. So it's a very interesting top four race. I'm I'm more interested how long Leverkusen can keep this up because they're outperforming their XG by about 14 goals now. Um, they obviously had a very dominant win over the weekend again, and they haven't lost. They're due to go on some type of bad run here at some point, right? <laughs> I guess. We're, uh, well, I mean, we're um, almost at the halfway point of the season, though. I know. And, and, That's the and, thing. And, you know, so the, the German season is 34 games. Right now, Bayern is minus 300 at bet 365 to win the Bundesliga. Leverkusen's plus 225. Bayern still goes to Leverkusen. Mm-hmm. Leverkusen uh, still goes to Dortmund. They still go to Leipzig. So, you know, in terms of like how the schedule breaks, they are, you know, like it's pretty even remaining rest of season. Leverkusen's taking care of business, though. Like you said, like they've banked. A four-point lead, that's really a one-point lead because uh, Bayern has a game in hand at home against Union, which they win 80% of the time. So I think that, maybe more. So I, I think that this is a decent time to buy Bayern, actually, just because I don't really believe in Leverkusen keeping this up. I, I think that there is... I mean, yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're way overperforming. Like, we've seen this throughout time. Eventually, they'll come back down to earth and lose a couple of matches here. When when you look up Leverkusen, kind of like as a statistical profile, there's nothing like glaring that sticks out as like this is a problem. They're not going to be able to overcome this. Um, their defense has been pretty good. They've been pretty good on set pieces. Like there's no alarming like holy shit weakness. But you could poke holes in some of their uh, shot distance numbers. Um, teams who finish. Uh, and have consistently great attacks generally get high quality shots. And if you look at the highest quality shots in Germany this year, uh, average shot distance Leverkusen is uh, 17.4 yards, which is below average. And that's concerning for their attack. Their shot quality is not great from an average XG per shot. They're at 0.1, which is right around league average. So if you wanted to say, hey, you know, they're not going to be able to continue this. I would generally agree. And defensively, it's the same thing. It's average shot distance allowed, very average um, shot quality from an XG per shot perspective. So I think uh, like those numbers lead me to believe this probably doesn't last forever. Um, shots per 90 allowed, they are second. Um, so they're making up for it with like shot volume. But uh, yeah, I think Bayern 300, minus 300 is a little cheap, but... I'm not running to the window to bet that necessarily. Stuttgart eighty to one, Dortmund one hundred to one, Leipzig twenty eight to one. No thanks. Uh, so best bet. Let's just do it here. We've kind of taken the lay of the land in Germany. Uh, I, I still think the market's catching up to how good Stuttgart is, even though they got smoked today. 
and they showed that when they smoked Leverkusen that one one draw on XG. Best bet for this slate, BJ. I will go Freiburg draw no bet minus one twelve against Heidenheim. Uh, Freiburg is a team very similar to that of Brentford. Um, they play very similar style, very direct. Uh, try to take advantage of set pieces as much as they can. Um, and they're going to play a very direct team here in Heidenheim. But the biggest difference here is that Freiburg, there has been scenarios this season where they've had to hold more possession and that they people teams have handed them the ball. In every single match outside of a 5-0 defeat to Stuttgart, which obviously got out of hand and they held more possession towards the end of the match, they have won the XG battle every single time they've held over 50% possession. And I expect them to in this match as well. They had a great showing against Cologne over the weekend on Sunday. Um, and they'll be taking on a Heidenheim team that's one of the worst defensive teams in Germany. Again, plays very, very direct, not good in transition defense. So should be a very back-and-forth type match, but Freiburg is the much better transition team. Uh, projected them closer to plus 130. and draw, draw no bet line projected closer to minus 125. So anything minus 115 on the draw no bet line for Freiburg or better, I think, is a, a decent bet. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mines plus one. Another Dortmund fade for me. I know they're coming home. Uh, I know that they just had a pretty poor showing at the weekend at Augsburg. And, you know, in theory, this would be a good buy low. I just really think that the market is pricing this this team like they're anything more than they are. I mean, they conceded two expected goals to Augsburg. They conceded three to PSG, 2.8 to Leipzig. Granted, they were down a man. Um, it's not just the defense either. Like, even the, like, quote-unquote great attacking numbers, they're still way behind Leverkusen, Leipzig, Stuttgart, and Bayern. Like, they're not even a top-four attacking team by any metric. And if you look at, like, their shot numbers, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, they're middle of the pack in a lot of these numbers uh, from, first of all, XG per shot allowed. Uh, They are near the bottom of the league. Average shot distance allowed. They are near the bottom of the league. So. They're conceding a ton of high-quality shots, and they're not getting as many themselves. Um, so I, I think that the, the, you know this team, Terzic is on his last legs. I think he he he's probably fired if they don't win this match. At least moving off the role, and they're going to hire somebody else to be the the manager. I think this is it for him because if they don't win against Mines at home, like it signals the end to me. And this Mines team has been like the bad luck bears of the Bundesliga. Uh, minus 15 goal difference, expected goal difference is, is right around average. Um, so we have two average Bundesliga teams. They have very different ways of going about it. Mine sits very deep. They break uh, into transition. They have uh, one of the worst attacks this year by XG created. They're in the bottom three, but their defense is still elite. The the the, the most fencing days of having a really good defense, doesn't concede big chances, is still there. They've just run really bad. And it's not even just shot stopping. They've had some really bad luck uh, with teams finishing way above their numbers against them. Their goalkeeper's been right around league average. So ultimately, mine's plus one. This should be three quarters. It is one. So I'm going to take the goal on mines against Dortmund and continue to bet on them being frauds once again. So that's the Bundesliga. Uh, actually, really interesting relegation race, but we don't have time to get into it today. Let's switch gears to, to La Liga, which is a fascinating league right now. I seem to have a lot of off-market opinions on these teams, and I've been betting way more Spain than I'm ever comfortable doing. <laughs> That's a great and league to bet. It, it's a terrible league to bet. I've always said that. No, it's but not. I have been betting it a lot, including Monday with Alaves, who we will see how they do. BJ, uh, you have probably more Girona takes than I do. I do. One, um, you, uh, you have an anti-Girona disease. I have an anti-Real Madrid I disease. Do. Where, 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 do we, where do we come down on this team? We're recording this before they play Monday. They yeah. are. They'll probably the truck Alves. Um, they're they're, they're technically a point behind Real Madrid, but if they win at yeah. home as a minus two hundred favorite, which I don't think they will, it may sound dumb by the time you listen to this. They are top of the table. So where do we stand on them, and what's your best bet for this midweek slate? Yeah, so Thursday, Real Betis is at home against Girona, and Girona is a road favorite at Real Betis, which I think is wrong. I think that Betis should be closer to. Uh, plus 110, plus 120 on that range. Um, obviously, again, Girona hasn't played on Monday, so we can't see how they did against Alaves. Hopefully Alaves comes through. But what has happened a lot of times with Girona is not only when they have, you know, there's the conversation of when they have to step in comp- up in competition, they have 
faltered. Obviously, they got beat pretty badly by Real Madrid. Uh, they were uh, worse off against Athletic Bilbao. I thought Bilbao was the better team in that match. And then I know they beat Barcelona 4-2 on the road, uh, but Barcelona created four expected goals, had five big scoring chances, 60 touches in Girona's penalty box. Like They are a really, really bad defensive team when they have to face at least somewhat of a decent offense. And with how much they like to overload the last line of defense against teams that want to play a little more defensive, which Betis this year is, you know, Betis in years past has overperformed their XG. They want to be more possession-based, but this year they're actually playing way more direct and way more defensive, and it's actually paid off pretty nicely for them. They just had a great performance today against Real Sociedad, 0-0 draw, where the XG was basically even. And the biggest thing with Betis is they are number one both offensively and defensively in the final third of box entry conversion rate. So that means their transition attacks have been really good at getting the ball into the penalty box, and their defensive block has been really, really good at preventing teams from getting in there. That's a big, big thing in this match if Jerome is going to try to overload that last line of defense. Isco's having an incredible season for Betis. He's putting up just like uh, crazy numbers, even better than he was with Real Madrid. So... Uh, you know, I have bet it's closer to even money here. Um, well, again, we'll see what happens with Girona against Alaves on Monday. They are at home, um, but Betis having an extra day rest, being at home, uh, I really don't think Girona should be a road favorite. So I'll just keep fading this team. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, Girona has, um, you know, they'll have a little bit of a break here, but uh, in the new year, they're going to play Atletico um, on January 3rd. So that'll be fun. Um, so there'll be plenty of opportunities to continue to fade the Sharona team as we go forward. But uh, again, I, I think the market is like, oh my gosh, this team's really good now because they're at the top of the table and they've won all these matches. But again, basically all of them have come against the, the bottom half of the table. Um, the few matches they have played against the top half of the table, they have struggled. So this is, again, another top half of the table team. Betis in sixth place, positive expected goal differential, a decent team. So uh, Betis, Jarno Bet, minus 105 at home. So we talked about uh, Alaves on the Wednesday show, and they are playing uh, mm-hmm. Real Madrid. So yeah. I'm not going to make it my best bet because I do want to see them play this match before I go hammer them against Real Madrid, plus one at home. Um, but this uh, Samuel Omorian, Omorodian, excuse my pronunciation, is He's putting good. up some like really impressive numbers. Uh, yeah. 6.2 expected goals, four goals already uh, 0.77 xg per 90 he's 19 years old and he's an extremely impressive dribbler slash you know take on person right like so uh i'm, I'm impressed with his ability to to go past people uh he's kind of been the one-man show and he's putting up really impressive numbers they lost to barca but four shots against them they lost to las palmas but three shots against them and i think it's real so I'm kind of buying in to them being undervalued as an attack as a result of him. And if you just look at like their general profile, they're right around league average uh, as an attack. And this is an Alaves team that certainly has not impressed with their ability to attack in the past. So uh, they may have found a little diamond in the rough here. And now Real Madrid, who looked pretty poor defensively, they, they thrashed Villarreal, who stinks today, but they looked pretty poor defensively in that match. Now they lose... Um, now they lose David Alaba for the season, uh, torn ACL. Pretty big loss um, to a defense that does not have a ton of depth to begin with. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in Alaves to uh, threaten Real Madrid here in this match. I think they can be competitive. Do I think they'll win? No, because nobody beats Real Madrid. But I certainly don't think they'll be out of it. Um, otherwise, you know, Cadiz was interesting to me. They haven't won a match. <laughs> Uh, in the league in a long time, but I think the market's really bottomed out on them, and I'm not sure I agree. I think they've actually been playing a little bit better of late. If you look at some of their underlying numbers, uh, outplayed Osasuna for the entirety of that match and that draw they had. Uh, they were pretty competitive. Now they get a Sociedad team at home, which has been a little interesting this year in that their numbers in the league have gone down. Some of it is um, they've been more heavy rotating, but catching a half goal at home, they could sneak one by Sociedad in like a tricky spot for for La Real. Um, so yeah, the Tuesday card or the Thursday card rather certainly interesting for us with Cadiz, Betis, Alaves. Um, not a ton else for me in 
La Liga, like I think the Tuesday card is gross. Vigo finally won a match. They're at Villarreal, and they're a dog. I just kind of want to. I just kind of want to blind bet them because I think Villarreal stinks, but I think the market's like kind of onto the fact that Villarreal stinks. They were catching two at Madrid today for a reason. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a part of the blind Villarreal or Vigo club, I've seen worse bets. Which is a really fun club. That Villarreal defense is so bad <laughs> that even Vigo, who can't score on anybody, should probably score on them. But that's neither here nor there. Anything else on La Liga before we move on? Uh, Valencia's plus a half at a pretty juicy number against Viacano, which I think should be about a pick em. Valencia, one of the better defensive teams in the league. Obviously, they just got trucked by Barcelona. But every single time they step down in class, uh, they've been pretty good. And Viacano, even though we bet them on Friday, they've been pretty poor offensively all season long. So that's the only place I would look in Spain. Well, they lost to Iola. Of course, they're no good anymore. Uh, of course. Anyway. Uh, Ligue 1. Nice finally conceded goals for the first time all season. They yeah, shipped. they suck now. <laughs> they they had this unbelievable run uh, where nobody scored any goals on them for pretty much the entirety of the season. I just want to highlight this before we get into Ligue 1. They gave up two goals in their first two games to Lille and Lorient. They gave up two to PSG in their fifth match of the season. They played Lyon, Strasbourg, Monaco, Brest, Metz, Marseille, Claremont Foot. Rennes, Montpellier, Toulouse. They didn't concede a single goal in any of those matches. I don't care if it's a farmer's league. You keep 10 clean sheets in 11 matches. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the market was starting to put totals at two. And then they had a 1-0 win. Then they had a 1-0 loss. And then finally, back-to-back overs. They they played a a 2-1 home win against Reims. And then lost pretty badly to Le Havre. Um, down 3-0, scored late, but were never really in the match. Conceded 2.1 XG. The 2.1 XG is the most they've conceded all year. They've now conceded over one expected goal in four straight matches. They are, on paper, the best threat to challenge PSG for the title. I don't really think they are. There's no there's no challenger to PSG this season, unfortunately. You don't think our real tickets are uh, hanging no. out? They're nine points back, and I don't. I mean, Mbappe is going to stay the whole season, and like we've said, how much we actually think this PSG team is good. They're just trucking like any ball at the bottom half of the table. Like I know Lil got a last gasp to maybe keep the tickets alive for like one more week, but um, I mean, even if just the underlying data is like PSG is so much further ahead of everybody else right now that it's. And even Marseille is like at a plus eleven expected goal differential. Like they're the closest one to PSG, and they're in seventh place. So I think it kind of tells you how the league is, is going right now. Um, not been a very fun league to bet uh, this season, but I will continue to bet it. The ultimate buy low, finally winning a couple matches in a row. I know they beat Let's Toulouse do it again. at home. They closed minus one ten at home against Toulouse. They uh, then upset Monaco on Friday in a spot that I said mm-hmm. was a great spot and then never bet it. We were talking about Lyon, of course. Um, started the season getting shouted at by their fans. They had one win in their first 14. They've now won two in a row. They're up to 16th in the table. Probably not going to get relegated because they're not that bad. But you like them this weekend or this week. I do. Um, you know, obviously things went pretty terribly for them to begin the season, right? Like they... Had a lot of bad performances. Laurent Blanc looked like he didn't want to be there. He even openly said, like, please fire me. Get me out of here. Um, he leaves. They get a new manager. And suddenly the the train started getting back on the tracks and turning in the right direction. You know, if you look at some of their recent performances, they actually have played a pretty difficult schedule. They beat Ren 1-0, won the XG battle. They lost 2-0 to Lil, won the XG battle. They lost 2-3 to Went to, to Lons. Again, won the XG battle, had a bad performance against Marseille in a midweek match. And then, like you said, back-to-back wins against Toulouse and Monaco. So this team is still very talented, and, and it's still a very good team. And really what was happening is that they were just on a really, really poor finishing run in front of that. You know, overall for the season, they've only scored 14 goals. It's been about 20 expected because Lacazette's just not having a great finishing season. But he's gotten things back on track. He's finished a couple in the last few matches. So they actually have a good threat up front now. And they're playing a very 
average nonce team that I don't, I, there's really nothing discernible about them. They're just a very below average league on team. So if I'm getting, you know, I have Leon at minus 168 here um, for a team that's trending in the right direction, that is still very talented. Um, I'm going to continue to buy low on them as we get further and further into the season. They do have some some difficult matches coming up, but um, I think this is a decent spot. There's still a minus 145 out there. I wouldn't go past minus 155 here, but there is still one out there. And if, if you can still find it, I would grab it. I mean, what would this price have been six months ago? Goal and a half? Yeah, no, for sure. It definitely would have been. Leon That's finished kind of seven the, the argument. positive expected goal difference. Nantes was, was uh, right. barely survived on the final day of the season from relegation. Yeah. And the Toulouse, the Toulouse line is, I think, the the one of those like the ultimate buy low situations. Because again, like you said last year, that would have been easily minus one or minus one and a half. Um, and Toulouse has the worst expectable differential in Ligue 1. So, um, yeah, they love a couple good positive, yeah, a couple good positive results, and now that yeah, Toulouse is going to be into uh, the uh, knockout round in, in, in the Europa League uh, somehow, which will be a fun phase when we get there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's. Just going to keep buying low on this team. One of the biggest clubs in France. Yeah, it should be a good top four race. Uh, not too much of a believer in Lon, who's in fifth, or Brest, who's in sixth. Marseille should make a run at it, though. So Monaco, Lille, Nice are the clear favorites for the top four. But uh, they're going to get that fourth Champions League place next year, I believe. So that yep, will be 98% chance I saw the other day. They're going to overtake Netherlands and get that, get that spot back. So... And the Champions League expanding. It's expanding and changing next year. All right. Well, that will do it. Quick midweek episode that I said would be quick, and then we managed to talk for over 45 minutes. But I think it was fun (laughs) to kind of take a reset on like interesting notes, trends, tidbits, things we're thinking about in those other leagues that we don't get to touch on too much. Maybe we'll get some a little bit of Serie A talk, uh, although I think Inter is clearly the best team. Uh, We'll get some Serie A talk in maybe at the end of our episode on Wednesday because there's no other leagues besides the Prem and Serie A this weekend. That will do it for this episode of Wonder Goal. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the roller coaster weekend. I know BG and I both had big Saturdays and then kind of disaster Sundays. So it was definitely a roller coaster weekend. We'll be back in the midweek and then we'll be back with a new episode uh, in your feeds wherever you get your podcast Thursday morning with a full Premier League preview and a Boxing Day look ahead glance, maybe one or two spots we like on the holiday. Uh, thank you to BJ for joining me. This has been another episode of Wonder Goal. Shout out to Bet365, our great sponsors. And we will see you guys on Thursday morning. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.